Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk NYC, real estate podcast with John and Jonathan. I am Jonathan Conlon. And, and I'm John Gastaska. Today, we are going to talk about sellers and what happens if you were to decide today, hey, let's put our apartment on the market. Let's talk about what, what we need to do in order to, what does that process look like? What are the different steps that we need to take, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to go through it. I think we broke it down into 12 different main steps through the process to get you to a successful closing, which is the goal. Absolutely. The seller has the largest asset of their lives that they've most times it's going to be the biggest investment, biggest sales transaction in their lives. One needs to take that seriously when you go to choose a real estate agent. Yes. Someone that you like, someone that you trust, someone who has a level of experience that can maneuver in any kind of marketplace. And so do your uh, market research when yeah. coming to for sellers. Do your market research. Please don't take this the wrong way, sellers. Just because your friend used a real estate agent that they liked doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right fit for you. We've had many sellers who have said, I have friends in the industry, but we feel that you're the better fit for us. So nothing matter with that. That's your call on choosing the real estate broker. And also interview several brokers. I think it's important. And we've had a very good track record of being able to build seller confidence in the initial meeting and presentation. With yeah, the one of the so, biggest blessings in our industry, in our market, in Manhattan in particular, is most apartments are sold with agents and most. most apartments are traded with two agents involved. So yes, there is for sale by owner option, et cetera, but it's never, almost never successful. And certainly it's more fraught with uh, trials and tribulations and pitfalls, et cetera. So, you know, sure, is it self-serving? But we would say the first step is to finding that real estate agent, that partner that's going to walk you through the rest of the process. And I always find it interesting when people are interviewing, at least from the people that I've specifically asked, the sellers that I've specifically asked, you know, did they have they done their research in terms of looking at on online presence? They look at uh, marketing, pictures, floor plans, video content for the specific listings that that broker has in their particular market or, or, you know, in Manhattan in general, like what kind of typical marketing do you do? Do they see and exposure for the, for those properties? But a lot of people don't do that. And I always urge our sellers. I try to remember to urge our sellers, like, you know, go look at our photos, Absolutely. look at ours, our marketing pieces versus another agents. I am very confident putting our marketing against any agent in the industry. I agree. And there's so many agents out there that actually do a fair amount of business and you look at their marketing, you look at their pictures and whether they even have video content or not. And it's just, it's really below par. And that's the first impression and everybody's online. So yes, walking through the door is one thing, but how do you get them through the door? It's that first impression online to give them all the pieces of information that they need in order to feel comfortable saying to their agent, let's go see this one. Absolutely. And I think that also for sellers, it's very important to be heard when one does meet with a real estate broker yeah. to uh, be honest and to, yeah, do your homework. I think that's what you are getting at. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head with the word trust. You have to trust that these people, whoever you hire, and listen, we're not the only good real estate agents in the city. There's plenty of good real estate agents that trust and feeling like that person or team has your best interest at heart and not their own is key. That's a a feeling somebody can only get by meeting, meeting. 
mm-hmm. and and talking and kind of getting a sense of who who the people are involved. Um, and there also needs to be a synergy between because not yes. all personalities are meant to play well That's with correct. one another. That's so that is correct. You but, know, so it, you may just not jive as good as an agent may be, and as trusting trusting of them, you may just not jive right with that's them. right so but if you do jive right and you uh, you have built trust and the seller finds their way to getting into an agreement with you yeah there's a listing agreement which is signed and the standard listing agreement is a six-month commitment okay between the brokerage house and the seller and so that would be the next step in once a real estate agent is chosen to sign a listing agreement marketing agreement with the respective brokers and uh, brokerage house. Yeah, basically synonymous amongst all the brokerage firms. It's all the same language, essentially. Most of it is stipulated by Rebney, the Real Estate Board of New York. So, you know, you could put them side by side. And if you took the names of the firms off of them, you wouldn't know the difference between them. Commissions divulged in there. If you are going with a Rebney member, which pretty much all the Real estate Big board firms are the Real Estate Board of New York members. That dictates how we interact with one another, which dictates how we spread the information. So the listing getting sent to everybody. So you do want to work with a Rebney member, certainly. I don't see the benefit, at least in Manhattan and the parts of Brooklyn that we work in. Uh, in Long Island City, like, I don't see why you would go with a non-Rebney member. From a seller standpoint, you're going to pay for what you get. Mm-hmm. And when we meet with our prospective sellers... We discuss exactly what we are paying, what what they are paying us to do for them, exactly what they're paying us in their commission, whichever commission is, however the commission is structured. And you're going to pay for what you get. We are meeting with sellers this afternoon to restage their apartment after they tried to sell their apartment for six months with a non-Rebney member. This is not to take anything away from non-Rebney members, but a discounted firm and they did a very poor job of selling this apartment. And so now we are collecting a fee and we are doing what we do best, which is really, really stellarly marketing the apartment and we will sell the apartment, which is a terrific apartment. Yeah, we've had a number of these over our years. These discount firms, somebody tries it because it's a, you know, oh, we're going to pay... 4% 4% or whatever, or like a 2% 3% or, or 2 yeah. whatever it is, the discounted rate. And the response is always, well, yeah, we learned our lesson. That's always what we hear. We, okay, well, we, we understand why that is what it, a lot of times they have to show the problem. They have to show the property property? themselves. Yes. Oh, it's terrible. Um, You know, there's no budget around marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So that leads us to, okay, in this we talk about when we first meet with sellers is uh, the pre-listing stage. Okay, what do we do with the apartment? This typically involves, can involve some light work. We don't typically tell people do any significant work to an apartment, but a paint job may be warranted. Simple things like replacing some light fixtures or switches or switch plates or fixing things that have been broken for 10 years because they moved in and it was broken and they said they'd fix it sometime. Replacement of light bulbs, those sorts of things. And then the biggest thing we talk about, and this encapsulates everything, of course, is the staging of the apartment. The decluttering, moving furniture around if they have existing furniture that that we can work with and that's not always the case sometimes we piecemeal it together sometimes it's an empty apartment we have to bring in all new furniture staging has become a huge thing in our industry over especially over the last five to ten years we know i don't remember staging an apartment the the earlier part of our tenure together the first five, eight years together, never really staged apartments. Now, because video content has become so popular and we've really pressed into, well, 
if you don't have a nice looking apartment, staged apartment, doing a video is is not going to be as great. It's not going to show it in its best light. Staging is the number one thing and all those things that that encapsulates around furniture, painting, little bit of work, et cetera, et cetera. That's the biggest thing that we get to. Right. And we counsel the seller with ideas that we would present. But then once we're engaged, then we dive into it with our entire team and we look at the apartment from the from the standpoint of the buyers. And we and if we need to, we can bring in a professional stager. Mm-hmm. If it's an empty apartment and a quirky apartment or a higher end apartment that really needs specific you know, nicer furniture in in order to appeal to the type of buyer clientele that we're going to be bringing through there. Got to stage it with a professional stager that's got their own inventory of good, nice, higher end furniture. Correct. Bring it in, get it staged very nicely. So it appeals to the right category of buyer. So once the staging has been completed and the apartment's ready to be shot, then we bring in a professional photographer, we create the accurate floor plan, and then we will produce the video content. Yeah, if applicable. You know, the the video is an experience expensive uh, marketing tool, but it is valuable. And uh, of course, it has to work in the in the grand scheme of things and within the marketing budget, etc. But uh, the video is very important. Um, I will tell you that buyers really look at video <clears throat> content. Yeah, they it's, do. It's the age of they Instagram. Do. And they Facebook. say it's... on countless times, oh, hi, it's nice to meet you from your video. We've seen your video, video, videos. And then in the vice versa, sellers have found us through our video content. So I'm very, and I'm very proud of the video content. It tells the full story of the apartment. So whether we do a video, just a walkthrough or whether it's a more guided tour through it. So we, we mix it up. We do little, you know, variations on, uh, on the types of videos that we do, but, uh, that walking through a space and seeing how it, it plays together gives them the gives buyers the feeling of what it's like to walk through it versus stagnant pictures which right. are you know calculated we take the best angle that looks the best has the best view outside presents the furniture the best and shows it as the biggest space that it can i mean that's our job is that's to correct. entice people to come in and see it you can't fudge certain things in a video you so if you have that that's correct Yes, maybe ultimately that will deter some buyers from coming through the door. If it does, they weren't your buyer anyways, and our job is to educate. So we get through all the marketing pieces and such, and then the next step is actually launching the apartment. Correct. So usually we want to have all those pieces in place. Sometimes timing-wise, if a seller, if if we're really given the time of year or the type of product or our seller's timeline, we may have to launch the video a little bit after we launch the apartment itself. And then it's sort of a a secondary launch with the video and we'll do another marketing push with it. But it's great to have everything at once. It's just sometimes hard to figure that out timing wise, again, depending on all the factors. We launch the property which entails us putting it on our brokerage website, our personal website, our business website, gazdaskaconlanteam.com, as well as then Corcoran will, through Rebney's uh, hub, will send it to all the other firms, and then we'll secondarily put it out on other websites such as streeteasy.com. Really, streeteasy.com, which goes to Zillow, et cetera, but we will list it in both places with all those pertinent marketing things that we have, pieces that we have. And then usually what we'll do is right when we click it over to active, we will put uh, the first open house. Of course, open houses are by appointment right now, but Mm -hmm. that may change in the future, uh, God willing. So we will have that in there. And the point of that is that first touch 
from the buyer or from the buyer's broker that's looking at these listings as they hit the market will give them all the pieces of information, all the data they need to decide, is this a property that I should go see or a property that I should tell my clients to go see, Correct. gets us the most informed buyers through the door in the shortest amount of time. Once the listing goes live and is translated into all of the portals, yeah. okay, then we as a team will begin the initial social media push. And that that is literally in tandem with going live with Corcoran.com, et cetera. So when I say that, posting a listing on everything from Facebook and Instagram to LinkedIn and our YouTube channel, et cetera. So there's a social media push as well as a uh, listing push. And sometimes that social media push starts when we're taking photos of the correct, apartment. Correct, correct. It and starts that, earlier before yeah. the listing goes live. That we but found that's teasers. They're teasers. teasers, right. And then in tandem as well, on the back end of the listing, we have operationally, we're gathering all the relevant data. So we are going to be set as soon as an offer is made. But m also, most importantly, so that we're, because we haven't sold in every single building in New York City, so that Not we yet. and our team are knowledgeable in terms yeah. of what is going on in this building, what the building if it's a cooperative, how the building allows people to purchase in the building, any kind of restrictions in the building, yeah. everything from pets and pied tears that kind of thing. Washer so, dryers. Washer dryers. Assessments. Exactly. Yes. Upcoming assessments. Upcoming capital Flip improvements. Taxes, what's been done recently. Everything. everything. We are It's so, an exorbitant list. We are fully <laughs> knowledge when that apartment is gets on the market, and yeah. then we begin showing the apartment. And so we pride ourselves in making sure that each of the salespeople who are showing the apartment are also knowledge, just not you yeah. and I. Yeah. We typically, when we're taking those pictures, if they haven't seen it prior, we have almost the whole team there. Anybody that can make it. Correct. We want everybody to be able to see it because we don't want to miss a showing. So if one of us can't make it or whoever the point person is on that particular listing can't make it, anybody else in the team can show it. So Correct. if everything goes according to plan, listen, our goal in life for our business is to sell properties as fast as possible. That that's you know that's what makes sense. It's the best thing for our sellers. It's the best thing for our business, right? Harder in some markets, etc. But the goal is is if we have good amount of showings, good open house turnout or open house by appointments, etc. That will result in somebody stepping up, at least one person stepping up and making an offer on the apartment. As we always talk about, we are an advisor to our clients. We educate them. So based on the data point that we have at that moment in time, how many people have come through, how many people are making offers or talking about it still in terms of it still being on their radar, so to speak, to be a prospective apartment for them to buy. Then we guide our seller as to how to respond to that offer. So always good to engage people regardless of how low the offer is. Of course, there's always a uh, there's always a limit depending on those data points in terms of how many people have come in, come through the door. We always say the best offers are typically the first offers you get. Correct. We usually see apartments if in a healthy market with a good apartment that doesn't have any significant drawbacks that for the mass mass market would be considered a, a, a big drawback, such as, you know, 
I don't know, a spiral staircase or a first floor apartment or something, we would hope to have offers within the first 30 days. If that doesn't happen, then it's a different set of education and talking about where we go from here. But when we get those offers, it all depends on all those data points as to how do we respond to the offer. And it's part of our education of our sellers. And we always err on the side of communicating more than less in order to, when the offer does come, we're not telling our sellers something that they didn't already know or expect. Right. So also one last thing that I want to say is that what's extremely important for the sellers is that they have qualified brokers who know how to qualify the buyers. Just because an offer is coming in doesn't necessarily mean that the buyer has what it will take to either pass the cooperative board to be able to get their loan, to even just to be able to close on the transaction. Pass the board. So we'll ask for not only a completed financial statement, but verification, uh, not verification of asset. In some instances, yes, but we will ask for tax work. We will ask for employment verification or employment bullet points to be able to educate a seller. Yeah. And as long as the buyer is qualified, then we'll start the negotiating and then we'll go back and forth in the negotiation, usually anywhere between a day to two days to three, four days, sometimes longer than that. Negotiations can take longer in this market. But then yeah. once we get to an accepted offer, both parties have agreed to the terms of the, of, of the sale, the price how much is being financed, whether there's a contingency for financing or not, and a proposed closing date with inclusions and exclusions, we then get an accepted offer. So from accepted offer stage, the first thing to do is usually the listing agent will collect all the information from the buyer's agent in terms of the details of the buyer, the address they want on it, who the attorney is, the broker, the broker's license number, the agent license numbers for everybody, and then the terms, like you just mentioned, the price, etc. Once we have all the information for for both sides of the transaction and the details, that goes on what's called a transaction sheet. The transaction sheet goes to the respective attorneys and they start their work. So the seller's attorney will draft the contract of sale. The buyer's attorney will do their his or her due diligence on the building, review of the minutes, the offering plan, amendments, financials, which we will provide as the listing agent, we would provide to the buyer's attorney. They'll negotiate the contract of sale. Typically what happens, well, that leads to the managing agent. The managing agent is the firm that manages the day-to-day workings of the building and also gets this due diligence completed information to the buyer's attorney. So there can always, that's a third party that we have to wait to do their job. And they have, you know, unfortunately, they they do take some time and that, that's subject to their workload at the time, et cetera. Some better than others, of course. Typically, the contract of sale is sent out and the two attorneys negotiate what they deem a reasonable contract for their respective clients. It's always subject to the review of the clients, but they don't usually share the full contract until they get to that place of reasonability or perhaps comments back from one to the other. It's usually the the seller's attorney just sends out what they think is a very reasonable contract to the buyer's attorney and they go back and forth. Once the attorneys feel good, then they consult their clients, walk them through everything. And if everybody agrees, then the buyer would be the first to sign the contract return the signed contract to the seller's attorney with the 10% contract deposit. Seller's attorney will send it to the seller for countersigning. Fully executed contract goes back to the buyer's attorney and the seller's attorney deposits the 10% into their attorney escrow account. Until all of that happens, 
we do not have a legally binding fully executed contract. So the stress there is, and what we always impress upon people is urgency is key around this part of the process because either side at any moment in time could just walk away until we have that fully executed contract. We have seen that before. We've seen it more times times. than I care to admit, but it, it does happen a lot. But working with a a good agent, you minimize that, you know, because you get to the root of the buyer's motivation or the seller's motivation. You work together with the other agent to make sure all the information's disclosed. There's not going to be surprise things in the due diligence that are going to turn off the buyer. Like in many parts of this process, we are a bit of an insurance policy for the sellers in terms of guarding against pitfalls, such as a failed deal. There's no guard against all of it because they could just get cold feet and change their mind. We do our best to guard against all those having gone through this so many times. Correct. And that's that's a big plug for sellers to really, really look at the tenure of the real estate agent and how effective they've been at being able to not only qualify buyers, but but act as their you know, fiduciary representatives in a transaction and be able to navigate problems that if they arise, whether there's, you know, delays with managing agents or a myriad of issues that can yeah. come up in that contract signing stage to be able to get to the fully executed contract. So then we move on to once the deal is signed up, the board package creation, if it's a cooperative or a transfer package in a condominium. Also, the buyer, if we're on the list side of the transaction, really working with the buyer's agent to make sure that the buyer is moving ahead with their mortgage application, different pieces of the puzzle, making sure that our operations manager is communicating directly with the buyer's agent to facilitate the information and move the application process along. We have seen countless times where applications can drag on and on and on, and our job is to facilitate and expedite the creation of the application. Yeah. In regards to the mortgage side of things is you have to get what's referred to as the commitment letter from the bank in order to be, that needs to be a piece of the puzzle. So that's usually the linchpin to submitting the application. I usually, we tell people, listen, we want that to be the last piece of the puzzle. So get all your reference letters and all your financials and everything in order. And then the commitment letter comes because that's just a simple document that they sign. And then we and then we submit it. Once the application is fully satisfied, then it goes on to the managing agent of the building for review, a running of credit, etc. And then once the application is satisfied through the managing agent, it then goes on to the board for review. Yeah. And timing around that varies widely. You know, some some boards take a substantial amount of time to go through these just because... Substantial uh, could be anywhere between four to eight weeks. Four to eight weeks. Yeah, we've had. Most of them, I would say, fall into the category of we, we've got about uh, a week for the managing agent to review it. As long as everything's there, they're just reviewing it for completeness. They want to make sure that you know, all of the boxes are checked basically and everything makes sense because their job is to streamline the board's review. Then they don't have any, you know, they don't uh, render any sort of weight on the decision that the board makes, but they're there to make the board's job as easy as possible in reviewing the document. So not to be overlooked, the importance of supplying a very clear and understandable board package when you submit these to the to the managing agents because if there is anything missing it will delay everything by a week in a blink of an eye because you then go to the bottom of the pile of what they all the other packages that that transfer agent has to review but usually a transfer agent will take about a week or the closing agent will take about a week to review 
pass it on to the board. The board will typically take two to four weeks to get back to us. Mm -hmm. The next step in a co-op will be the board interview. Board interview typically happens once they once the board decides they want to interview you it usually happens within a week maybe two weeks if they're our client we will prep them for the board interview if it's another broker we'll make sure and we don't haven't worked with that broker before or perhaps we have the feeling like maybe this is one of the first times they've gone through it we will prep make sure that the agent knows how to prep the the buyer or we'll even jump on a, a conference call with their buyers and we'll help prep that particular buyer for the board interview. And then we typically get a board approval the day after the board interview. On a condominium side, they have just what's called the right of first refusal. So once the managing agent reviews it and then it goes to the board, the board typically, per most of the bylaws, condominium bylaws that I've seen, uh, they have a 30-day window to either issue or waive their right of first refusal. I, we've had boards that just let that time run out. But most of the time we hear back from them in that same two to four week window mm -hmm. where they waive their right of first refusal, which then allows it to go to closing on the co-op. We have to wait for that board approval. And then the managing agent will delineate that information to us that we have the official board approval. And then we'll move to back to the attorneys to schedule the closing. Once we're board approved, the attorneys will work, as you just said, to schedule the closing date. And then the final piece of this prior to closing is to do what's called a final walkthrough of the apartment. All of the apartments which trade in Manhattan trade in as-is condition. No contract is subject to an inspection. Buyers are able to do inspections, but a but final walkthrough- It's atypical. Yeah. It's atypical. A final walkthrough is done with the buyers and the buyer's representative, as well as the seller's representative. And apartments are to be broom swept clean when they trade. Most of our sellers will clean the apartments, making sure that they look at their very best. Sellers, a really great plug for sellers would be to welcome the buyer. Some sellers have actually left bottles of wine or champagne with a, with a welcoming note. I think I've seen some sellers leave their manuals and all of their mm -hmm. their keys and everything really nicely boy, out for that, buyers. Boy, can that solve problems that before they arise. That can solve so many problems <laughs> so. before. The better that the seller is prepared for the walkthrough, the better they are getting to the closing table. Because there we have seen more times than not issues which arise in walkthroughs. So sellers be prepared on the walkthrough. Yeah, the only thing I'll say around the walkthrough is once the apartment's empty, because most co-op sellers will wait until we have board approval, per our guidance, wait till we have board approval to move your furniture out. Because we don't, if oh, God absolutely. forbid we have a board rejection, yes, that's a we don't want to remarket the apartment empty. That makes point. it much more challenging to sell or maybe the expense of staging it or whatever. Usually they move out. Well, what happens when you move out of an apartment that you've probably been in for 5, 10, 20, 40 years? All the little things that were are wrong with the apartment become kind of the only thing to see. Most of the time, it's things that we're not aware of as their agent because they had furniture covering this, a missing wall plate on an outlet, or uh, maybe an outlet that doesn't work, or maybe a big scratch in the floor, a missing floorboard, or something around a uh, you know washer dryer, whatever. Put yourself in the role of the buyer. You're spending a lot of money to buy this asset for your family, in most cases, your your 
your whatever your unit is to move into because a, mo- a lot of times it's a primary user you know if you were in their shoes how would you feel if you walk in and now these lights don't work maybe the light bulb burnt out last week you know like replace the light bulb the last thing you want oh that light I don't remember. Was that on before? I don't know. Was that it? Hmm, maybe it was on. Well, how do we know yes. it's just a light bulb? What if the what oh, if the, the electricity's out? What if, the, yeah, the fixture what if there's isn't something working? wrong with, with the, the fixture, fixture or with a you know like a inset uh, a light. systemic problem? Yeah, like, oh, oh well, God! I mean, well. we need to, to get an electrician here. That's three hundred bucks, you know, mm-hmm. just to get them to walk through the door. Oh, and then they got to open the wall here and like just replace the light bulb. And if you see something that you can solve for a few hundred dollars get it done Do because it. it's going to cost you more than that at the closing table because yeah. yes as you mentioned everything's as is everything's also to be in working condition in most cases sometimes appliances are as is like in estate sales or you know where nobody's lived in the apartment for a year or something like but that they have to but be in working order most of the time it's in working order correct you know if you by chance have moved out earlier run your appliances make sure that they're they're working you know so all those little things can cost you a lot of money not relative to the purchase price, but it ends things on a sour note. You end up arguing in a multi-million dollar sale over $500 at the closing table. And it's just not how people want to end these things. And you never know until you're in the, the process what kind of things that seller or sorry, that buyer is going to point out and want fixed or right. want remedied or want money for at the end of the day. So much easier to kind of do that walkthrough before you actually go to uh, do the final, final walkthrough with the buyer. So the final, final step is then closing day. That's the happiest day. We've been in closings where they're not so happy, but the buyers buy and the sellers sell and they move on to their, their ways. And that's what the closing is about. The stock and lease certificate trades, title trades between the seller and the buyer and both parties. One gets the apartment and the other one gets the money. That is our jobs are finished at the closing table. The keys will transfer. And at that point, the attorneys will do the closing at a uh, either at the managing agent or one of the attorney's offices at agreed upon location. And either buyer and seller are both there or one of the parties will close power of attorney or in some instances, power of attorney. You know, during COVID, there was a lot of power of attorney being done. Brokers will be there. Some brokers will not. And then our role at the table is very minimal. Very I minimal. I tell people we're there for comedic relief. We are there. Yeah, we are there relief. just simply to hold hands but, or just to be there with our respective yeah. clients. So, yeah. and that's the end. I think, yeah. I think and we want it to it. be a joyous event. It's not always possible, frankly, because you have a lot of players involved and one bad cog in the wheel or one bad apple in the bunch can, can sell the it. basket. So, yeah. You know, but we do our best to make sure everybody can walk away as as happy as they can be. And the majority of our transactions of are do. very yes. happy, yeah. happy uh, outcomes. So yeah. just know if you are a seller, I think we've we've gone through the entire process. We are here. Our podcast is not only to inform, but to offer our assistance. If you have additional questions, feel free to give us a call. You know, you know where to reach us, both of us. And with that, it has been a real pleasure, Mr. Colin. You know, 
just hearing you talk about the seller process, we have come a long way, baby, from the days when you were just a little kid joining me. Just a little. Uh, be healthy, safe, and most of all, remain in gratitude. And great. It's great to see you out of diapers. Thanks oh, for watching. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for watching or listening to the Real Talk NYC Real Estate Podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, gestaskaconlinteam.com. Or you can find us on all social media with the handle at Team. If this show was helpful, entertaining, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.